Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Hey, let's talk about climate change. Let's uh, do it. it is, um, well, it's always with us. This week, the G7 nations uh, came out and, and said that they are not going to support the building of any more coal fire projects happening uh, going forward. And this is a huge statement by the world's richest nations. They even got Japan on board, which was a huge a challenge to do that. Uh, our guest now is maybe uh, may surprise you a little bit, given her current role, but she has some, some great information about what's uh, going on with climate policies and ambitions in that. Her Excellency Sandra Jensen Landy, the ambassador to Denmark in Singapore here, is joining us now to talk about uh, what they've done in Denmark, what some of the Nordic countries have done in terms of climate policies and what that might mean for potentially for what we're doing here in Asia. Ambassador, welcome to Weekend Mornings on Money FM. Great to have you with us. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Well, I know you're very. I had to just. Yeah. Uh, I just had to run and, and and get the get the charger out of my daughter's uh, phone. She was on TikTok, <laughs> so I know exactly what you're talking about. There you go. There you go. Uh, do you do you get on TikTok yourself at all? Do you do you happen to do you have an account or do you flick through the videos? No, I don't actually. And in the beginning, we had the agreement that you know I, as a parent, was allowed to to delete my daughter's videos if I thought they were inappropriate. But they would present me with thirty-seven videos of the same <laughs> music clip. I was like, okay, that's, I'm not going to survive that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, so so much of it demands our time. So much there are so many demands on our time these days, uh, and social media certainly is one of them. But but let's jump into this uh, this. Uh, discussion about about climate change and about some of the sustainability issues that you've uh, been very close to in your work with uh, your your home country of Denmark and and I know you've just been in Singapore a relatively short time since last August but what what kinds of things have you have you seen from your from Denmark that uh, have been interesting to you that f- you feel like there are some good changes happening in the Nordic countries yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of things are happening there. And it's interesting because now we were talking about the, the TikTok generation before, but I really think that a lot of it is is led by, by younger people. And especially, maybe they're not exactly the TikTok generation, but a little older, the, the young voters, they're really moving the agenda ahead at a, at a speed and requiring something from decision makers that I think, uh, that I think is, is really creating a change. Um, and what's new is that they're willing to make big changes in their own lives, which mm. I'm very fascinated by, because in, in my generation, we've talked a lot about climate change and and the fear of, you know, it started, I think, with acid rain and holes of the ozone layer and then, and then global warming. But, uh, but this idea of, of taking it into your own life and making changes in your own life, I think, is, is really, uh, it's really strong and it's creating a very strong uh, political movement across across Europe and definitely in the Nordic countries. Can I ask, what is it particularly about the Nordic countries that has been so impressive Mm. in taking a lead with climate change? The most obvious example, of course, would be the wonderful Greta Thunberg, who's Swedish, but she isn't alone. Mm -hmm. There are tens, if not hundreds of thousands of young people across all the Nordic countries that are really taking a lead, admirably so, with climate change in a way, quite frankly, where other countries are not. So what is it about the Nordic countries and your passion for saving our planet? It's wonderful. 
<laughs> That's a good question. I think uh, I think some of what we see is I mean this is a generation that has been raised on this in the education system. We there's no doubt that in the education system uh, we've talked a lot about climate change and the need for action and 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 starting with yourself and creating social changes. So, so, so I think that they, that's part of it. That they're raised on this. Another thing is that we, as countries, have really moved in that direction for quite some time. I mean, we built our first windmills in 1980, so it, it it's been a long journey already. And it all started with the with the oil crisis in the 70s. And mm-hmm. when the then the crisis hit in 73, we were 90 percent dependent on oil from the Middle East, and and it just it just threw us into, you know, economic disaster when the when the oil prices rose. I think it was four times in in twenty four hours. So it was it was a disaster for us. And again, at the end of the seventies, there was another oil crisis. So so that really pushed um, pushed our government to make uh, very brave decisions around uh, how do we want the the energy. Uh, you know, uh, picture to look in Denmark. Where do we want our energy to come from? How do we set the prices? What are our ambitions? So this, they put up a lot of very, very tough rules that companies had to follow. And that has created uh, this foundation that we now stand on where we have a lot of strong, mm. a, a very strong private sector that can do a lot of, uh, you know, deliver green energy and, and renewables. Yeah, we're speaking with Her Excellency Sandra Jensen-Landy, uh, Denmark's ambassador to Singapore, about uh, sustainability and other issues. And we, we had a number of stories this week. Some were not good and some were very good relating to the climate. Uh, a story just came out that China's emissions of climate warming carbon dioxide rose 9% in the first quarter of this year compared to uh, pre pandemic, a huge jump, nearly 10%. At the same time, we had the G7 countries just yesterday uh, agree to stop international financing of coal projects that emit carbon by the end of this year, phasing out that kind of support for fossil fuels. So uh, there, it really is a tale of, of two cities here, isn't there? There's, there's good stories and there's stories that still are plaguing us. How from, you know, you, uh, you're on the diplomatic front, how, how from the, the diplomacy side or the public policy side do we try to reconcile this huge gap in countries that say, hey, we have a right to pollute and, and grow our economies and others mm-hmm. like Denmark, for example, that are really pushing hard to, to stop that. Mm. No, there's no doubt that, that we have to ha- all take responsibility for, for the development. We also have to look at, you know, how do we do it in each country, but also how do we do it as, as individuals? Where, which requirements do we put up as, as consumers? So I think there's, it's a responsibility that goes across borders, and, and that's also how we see it as, as a country. We work a lot with, in this region, we work with, for example, Indonesia and Vietnam to build up their renewable uh, sector, uh, energy sector. So it, 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 it's a responsibility that, that goes across borders. We do think that what we've seen from our own experience, and that is why I think we're such strong on this, is that that we have grown our economy 55% since 1990 without growing our energy consumption. Hmm. And and so, so we really just don't think that there is this clear link. Well, if we have to earn more money, we have to, to you know, emit more uh, CO2 or, or use more energy. We do think that there is actually an alternative, and that's what we've seen in our own 
in our own countries. And sometimes you can lead by example, uh, can't you? I'm looking at a bit of your background here. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what Denmark is doing, your, your energy islands. I, I find those fascinating, mm. this idea of energy islands in the North Sea and the Baltic Sea. Maybe you can tell us a bit about that. I don't know if it's quite the same, but you know that Singapore is trying to lead the way with uh, islands of solar farms, you know, these the world's biggest largest floating solar farm is going to offset 4,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide per year. That's being built right now, opening very soon in Singapore. So these idea of energy islands, firstly, what are they and what can we learn from them? Yeah, uh, let me first say that we love the, the, the ambitions that Singapore putting out there. We really like uh, discussing this agenda with Singapore because we see a lot of, of traction on it. So that's just great. If what we have, what we are doing is is we're setting a, we're setting we're building a moonshot here. You know, we we have no idea still how to get there, but we we have decided to build these energy islands. Uh, two of them so far. Um, one in the North Sea and one in the Baltic Sea, and they will be wind farms um, because one of the, the big problems right now is that, that it's expensive to get the, the energy from the, from the big wind farms at sea into land, but if we group them together, then we, then we can lower that cost and it can be a, a, a really good deal. So we are setting up uh, of two islands. Just the one of them will have 600 wind turbines connected. And and yeah, there's still a lot of of, uh, of things in that where we don't know how uh, how will pan out. But it is it is very exciting, and ultimately it will it will be able to they will be able to uh, provide more than five million households with with uh, with electricity and energy. So right. so that's very exciting. It also has an element that's called power to X, which uh, which is the idea is to take the the energy from the windmills and turn it into hydrogen or ammonia and then we can we can use it in in ships for example we're discussing a lot with singapore and how can we decarbonize the maritime sector that's a very big challenge and and this this might be one of the ways we still need some uh, some technological advantage uh, you know new developments in order to get there but but we're getting closer as yeah. late as in 2017 they were called the never never islands and and now we're in 2021 and and they're already starting constructing them well, that's, that's, it's great to hear those good news stories. And we've had a number here on the show, including um, a BWLPG, which they're, they're working toward having their entire fleet run off of LPG, uh, their ocean-going vessels. So there are some, some bright spots in this discussion. And I, I know from reading your, a bit of your background that you, you've served postings in, in Kathmandu, Kabul, Bangkok, Washington, of course, here in Singapore, very diverse places. But especially thinking about Kathmandu and Kabul, how do you, how do you get some of these momentum going for sustainability in a place where people are really, really struggling just to survive in many cases and also in a very kind of uh, rural or, or, or bottom of the pyramid type of environment? Hmm. No, I, I think that is a real challenge and I don't think that we're going to solve the, the climate change challenges in starting from Afghanistan. I mean, there, there are lots of other challenges to begin with. But of course, we have to make sure that the countries that are at a different development state economically do not do the, take the whole route that we've been on, but they do the shortcuts and go directly to, to, the, 
to the renewables, uh, there's no reason they should start firing with coal and build uh, build uh, build uh, fossil fuel plants now. So except so for the expense of it, though, right? Amazing... I mean, the the cost of it. Yeah. You know, fossil fuels are still far less expensive. Uh, they get more bang for the buck than a lot of the the alternative fuel sources, right? Solar, wind, etc. No, not not so much anymore. The the price difference is uh, even people arguing that the renewables are, are cheaper now. That has really developed a lot in in recent years. So it's mm. not a okay. it's not a, a very good deal. And we also see that that what we get out of the energy is much you get <laughs> you can use much more of the energy from the renewables. You have a greater loss uh, from the coal firing yeah. plants. So. Okay. So the, it's really the business case is not so clear anymore. Yeah, and a little bit closer uh, to home, uh, uh, Judith. And they're talking about hydropower potential. All right, I was going to say a little bit closer to home. June the 5th is a big day for you guys. And again, you're doing a run for sustainability. Tell us why June the 5th is a big day for you guys and what you've got planned in Singapore. Well, uh, June 5th is our national day and, and you know, uh, traditionally in Singapore we would have a big reception and invite a lot of our good partners here, but uh, of course that we can't do these days. So we decided to mark it in a different way and we have arranged this uh, run for sustainability uh, and we have invited our Nordic uh, brothers and sisters to join us. So, uh, so uh, it's together with uh, Finland and Sweden and Norway. Uh, Norway and, and Sweden also have their national days around the same time. So we're doing this uh, this big run and, and we have gotten a lot of great companies to sponsor. So for every every kilometer we run, we, we, uh, we raise money for this uh, Coral Triangle Center that is working for marine uh, conservation in the region. So, uh, so I can only say, you know, we're... You're welcome to join us, uh, regardless of whether you're Scandinavian or not. And uh, Team Denmark will be very happy to have extra runners on board. Wonderful. Now, I have to ask this question. I'm putting you on the spot, but this is for the benefit of our many Singaporean listeners. Denmark, Finland, Belgium and Russia. Do you know why I've put those four countries together? They are the countries that are in Group B of the Euro 2020 Championships that are about to start <laughs> next month. And as Ambassador of Denmark, I'd be failing in my duty if I didn't ask you on behalf of Singaporeans, how do you think Denmark will do at Euro 2020? You're in a group with your neighbours, Finland. No, we, we, we are going for the win. Wow. Of course, absolutely. <laughs> Can we quote you on that? That's an exclusive. Yeah, 100%. You know, we won in 1992 and it's a very big part of our, of our national identity and we could use another boost. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I can't just ask. I, I, I already have the T-shirt ready. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted to ask, just for my own curiosity, Denmark, Finland, is, is there a, a genuine football rivalry there between the Nordic countries? No. <laughs> no. We, I mean, with the Finns, we, we completely agree it's all about beating Sweden. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Good for you. Hey, on that happy note, we're going to leave it there. Uh, ambassador, Danish ambassador to Singapore, Her Excellency Sandra Jensen-Landi, thanks so much for being with us today to talk about your thoughts on sustainability and climate change and, of course, football. Uh, we really appreciate your time today. I hope you'll come back on and talk to us again. Happy to. Thank you so much for having me. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app.
That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.